0: Hey everyone, welcome back to On Point. This episode of the podcast, Mitch and I are driving back home from the Cascadian and Bowman shoot in Eugene and basically reviewing how the shoot went for both of us, things that we may, we may need to work on, coming fresh from out of the shoot, areas that we maybe were weak areas or are areas that we definitely need to focus on. And that's what these shoots are for, is to work on your areas, uh, find your areas that are weak, and just really kind of expose those weaknesses in, in your shooting that you can improve before the season. We also talked about some other stuff and just really just a, really a conversation between two buddies and, and uh, probably not a lot of learning things in this one. But there's definitely you can hear how we shot, how we all did and the areas that we need to focus on coming out of the shoot. So as always, I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast and uh, I'll see you at the end. Bye. Perfect. So we are officially on now. Good. Good. <laughs> Good. And Mitch is driving down I-5. I'm riding shotgun, coming back from the Cascadian Bowman, Yep, a.k.a. Poodle Creek, a.k.a. kicking Anthony's ass. (laughs) Well, one of us did. (laughs) He's not here to defend himself, so I'm going to go hard in the paint on this one. (laughs) Uh, But no, it was a great day, man. I mean, sun's out, a little cold this morning, there wasn't any rain. We had an awesome group of guys in Shelby that we were shooting with. And uh, it's just a it's just a fun time. It was it was
1: I haven't been to one in a long time, but it was what I needed. I really enjoy these, and I'm glad the weather agreed with us. And just so much fun. It's a lot. There's a lot worse things you could do on a on a weekend.
0: Oh, for sure. And this is all just part of staying, you know, on top of your gear, on top of your skills. And like you said, you like shooting 3D. And from the last podcast that we did, you're a busy guy, and this is kind of how you stay on top of your skill set you think or what
1: it's just a different thing completely than going to the range and shooting at a you know even a even a nice range it's just walking back and forth you know there's not a lot of challenge you're not presented with different things each time Uh, if you're shooting a shoot that's different from you know the rest of them or they they change a little bit every year sometimes the courses are pretty similar but uh you don't really know what you're getting into until you're standing there looking at it and the more creative the shoot is, the better, I think. Yeah. More fun. You know, some of them are really long, hard shots. Some of them are between trees and, yeah. you know, uphill, downhill. It's a lot of walking. You get out there, you get your blood flowing. It's kind of, it's just nice. It's nothing wrong with going out there and getting some exercise. And, Did you, uh, uh, were you happy with the way that you shot today? Uh, I, overall, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I expected a lot worse for the amount of practice I've been doing lately, which hasn't been much. And, uh Shooting in the walk-in, and I don't know. I just got in the groove in the second half shooter. <laughs> yeah, you did. I well, really you found that two fletched arrow. <laughs> yeah, I was. You always struggle with your equipment for a little bit, and yeah. I don't know. You, uh, you definitely. Uh, it's from, some people fall apart in the second half. I, it takes me a, for a whole first half to get that out of the way and then I start settling in. I think it's like because the prospect of winning mm-hmm. is gone after after <laughs> I choke real hard on the first first couple targets, but
0: well Anthony blanked the first target. Yeah, that was a good way to start it. <laughs> I've never uh. seen that before. And it sucks is that he did hit the target but his arrow skipped off of the belly and went into the ground. So that or it it like went all the way through just to tiny chunk of foam but it didn't hold the arrow the zeros hurt zeros <laughs> they add up. definitely don't add to your or score don't add up rather <laughs> easy to do the math on yeah <laughs> yeah it
1: really makes makes add your totals yeah. up. i didn't have a single zero and i can't believe that happened you didn't have a zero all day no not wow. one not? i think
0: out of all six of us me and you were the only ones that didn't have zeros but and i on the second to last target dude almost blinked it <laughs> I almost blanked it. That turkey gave me a five after I was on a string of twelves. You
1: know that. Yeah, that was uh, I I definitely quit caring as much. I just like oh, I'll make the best shot I can make, and then. Pressure was gone. I was—I knew I was way ahead of Shelby. I think that's when I really started taking off because yeah. <laughs> I knew I had her beat <laughs> and I wasn't really competing anymore. you uh,
0: I think, did you say it in the last podcast that you're tired of losing to Shelby Yeah, you've never beat her? Yeah, I think so. And then today, I felt bad for her because she, um, she she's been really sick and she put a new sight on her bow and then we're all at the uh, range shooting and she didn't get it f- like a couple days or a week ago or something like that. She didn't have time to finish sighting in her whole bow and everything, long story short. So there were some longer bombs where she just didn't know where to aim and uh, really messed her up. But there was a couple times where she used the wrong pin or the wrong gap or whatever. But yeah. for, like, the first half, I think she was spanking all of us. Like, she was I right. know for the first ten targets, she was definitely probably in the lead. Yeah, there's three that were neck and neck on the first probably. 18 targets. Yeah, she was she, she was, was in killing it. it. But there was a lot of short targets on the front end yeah. of, the, of, the, of the course that we started. But, like I said, she was killing it in the beginning. And then, uh, yeah, you had Jeremy and Mike. And Jeremy shot the best he's ever shot today. Mike shot pretty darn good. Uh, you shot good for being out of practice. Yeah. Um, that,
1: just, that, uh, I impressed myself with the uh, – I, I, it wasn't me; it wasn't the problem today. But a lot of times, going on these three D shoots all summer, putting your stuff to test to the test all summer long gives you a real chance to discover an issue that you would maybe otherwise find in a situation where you're pretty far from it. You know, if not pulling back on a bull or a deer while you're on the trip, and you have to go like we've had to do in the past. Mm-hmm really far out of the way <laughs> and double back, you know, four right. hours or something to get, to get a, need, <laughs> you needed new arrows or uh, it was. Some, something in the past. It's, it's bit us in the butt, but yeah. the more you're out there and I've had, you know, like I had a, a release, not a release, a rest, take a crap on me at a 3D shoot. And oh, I, yeah. well, I lost, court. A, I completely lost a screw that went with it and was able to scalp one from somewhere else. But it, it's stuff like that, you know, if that happens you're done. You're done till you go get it fixed or you go find a place where you can buy right. a new unless you bring, you know, which isn't a bad idea either. That's another thing for preparation. You should almost bring a backup everything. In, in the past you brought backup bows. Whole entire setups. Yeah, I'd, I'd
0: have two setups every yeah. year. Just yeah. in case.
1: Just in and case. I still do. I got
0: that, uh, that outlaw, which yeah. I don't plan on shooting. But yeah, I mean...
1: Now and if you're talking about time to practice, maybe don't have two setups because two bows don't shoot. The same unless they're the same bow with the same setup. So maybe you should shoot both of them pretty regularly. But you know it, you might have to limit yourself if you end up on your backup bow. Maybe your range is down to you know 35, 40 yards instead of 60 or 70, depending yeah. on the shooter. Yeah. But you're not down and out. You're not done.
0: You're not you know camp cook. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And. So you were shooting your Matthews? What's your setup? Your Matthews Chill R? Yeah, a Monster Chill R. Which, if you're looking for a used bow, man, those 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 hold their value fairly well. Those Matthews Chill Rs. Yeah, they seem to good be good bow. I know I I bought in
1: two now, and uh, yeah. the first one was just as expensive as the second, or the other way around. It's a good deal on it. Is probably six hundred bucks bare. I mean, I don't know. It's. I think I got mine a little cheaper than. I'd that, say probably five hundred or four fifty bare, five hundred bear. Yeah, and but and they only made them a couple of years. I think eleven to fourteen or something like that,
0: or eleven to fifteen. Uh, well, you had the we well had you had the Z uh, or the grid pattern risers. They had like the Z Matthew Z seven Z seven Extreme. You had all these other versions of them. The Chill, Chill R, Chill S D X for the you know there's just a bunch of them. But my favorite is by far the Chill, uh, the Chill R. Yeah. Um, it's pretty darn good bow. Good speeds um, with a good stabilizer. You can really uh, tame that hand shock. Accurate. Pretty quiet. Just a great bow.
1: Yeah, and I've shot Life. quite a
0: few. I I ended up
1: with uh, I I got rid of that one, and I had ambitions of uh, buying a brand new one, and I you know it wasn't the timing was. So I, so I sold one right at the end of the season, and I think, oh, right before next season, I'll buy a brand new one. And as it got closer and closer, and I just <laughs> was busier and busier, and I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Here I only have two, three weeks to really get prepared, and uh, if I buy a brand new bow, you know, I, <laughs> I I ended up buying a cheaper Hoyt Power Max, and I never
0: could get there goes Mike and Jeremy right there. <laughs> <laughs> Passing us, he's a cop. He could drive faster than everybody. If he gets pulled over, it's no penalty. <laughs> Just follow him. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, no, I uh, I never could achieve
1: the level of accuracy with that 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 bait. You know, mid-range uh, price point bow as a, and a chill, chills when they came out were kind of up there. You know, they were weren't top. I wouldn't say what top of the line is. I have no authority to say what's better than what, but. For price wise they were uh, towards the top of the market.
0: Yeah. Brand you you new. Shot the, you think you
1: shoot the chill better than that Power Max you bought? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Even the first one I had, I, I had that Chill and I, I, I we'd go to three D shoots and I would my scores were right. great. And I could always shoot pretty good. I could only shoot pretty good with the Power Max, but I could shoot excellent with the with the with the better bow. And it was older, you know, mm-hmm. it was but it was definitely a quality bow and you I saw a couple today at the range, you know, that or at the three D shoot. People people keep using them they're tried and true they're they're, they set them up for target shooting and target shooting only it seems like they have they're they're a bow that's good for that not every hunting bow is i think that's one of them that is they're consistent and they're reliable and i i don't see myself buying another bow right until technology comes along a little bit or maybe i just feel like it i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but it's not in the plan
0: so. Mike, Mike just texted me, he's like, you guys look like a pilot and a co-pilot. Because <laughs> with, with we got the headsets on. <laughs> We're going down the road. Um, but yeah, no, th- that Chill R, man, that's a great bow. And, and I bought the Z7 Extreme one, or traded it for worst trade I ever did. Got a Z7 Extreme, and I was thinking, you know, the Creed Z7's around there. I really like Went back and shot it, and I hated it, but um, you know that I think the Chill R was one of the best bows they've ever come out with for me period. Like I just really like that bow. It shoots great. If I could have that as my backup bow, I would have absolutely have that as my backup bow. But
1: yeah, I'm a fanboy for sure. I'm not Oh yeah.
0: You know, it's too bad they don't make new ones
1: anymore or uh, you know <laughs> they got similar things but so this I is just a good bow and I like it and I, I don't see a reason to if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of thing. No, you know? and for
0: as much as you shoot, it's yeah. not a big deal.
1: No, it's gonna you know a brand new bow it would probably uh the The capability of that bow would exceed my my practice. You know, like I, yeah, I might be able to buy a brand new bow and just if I put the time in, pinwheel, 12s all a th- whole 3D shoot. But I could probably do that with this bow. It just maybe be a little. I don't know. It's this bow's not going to let me. It's good enough that it's going to be reliable. For, I'm going to be the problem if there's a problem. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Is the bow is going to be pretty good all the time, and it's how much I practice with it. I just don't want to run into any equipment malfunctions or hmm. you know something that's eating strings or a spongy back wall or trying to take off on me something that I'm not comfortable with and I've having had one before this setup works for me and I'm gonna stick with it yeah so
0: well I was uh, for my setup I was shooting obviously shooting the budget bow and and um, I used the uh, the release that came with the budget bow which is a complete I am beginning to really actually develop a deep hate for that release because it's the cheap caliper release. I think it's just like a true fire cheap caliper release or something or a true ball or something like that. I don't even know. It's like a forty five dollar release brand new. And uh I just can't execute a good shot with it. About half the time I can execute a proper shot. The rest of the time it's just a struggle. Like can't I can barely I can't really use back tension with it and so it's just uh it's just a challenge. I mean, it, it presents a whole other challenge to shooting that bow. And when I grab my hinge, I just feel completely better and accurate. But that's not part of the budget challenge. So, well, that's just. So this is
1: the release you bought for the budget bow this, challenge.
0: This is the release that the that came with the budget bow that I have to use because it's part of the budget. And so, I'm not complaining here. I'm just saying it's it, it's it's <laughs> it's a challenge to mm-hmm. to shoot accurately the way that I like to shoot. With that release, because there's like a mile of trigger travel, and it doesn't work for me. This this release and me just don't get along. It's not like a short and sweet where you have a little bit of triv- you know, uh, trigger travel, a little bit of creep in the trigger. This one has it. Just Anthony made a comment like three or four targets, and he's like, he was watching me shoot. He's like, man, that thing creeps. He almost watched me made almost make a fist because of how much trigger creep there was. That's what you're calling trigger creep, is what yeah. It, well, you can feel the trigger going, actually moving as you're pulling it.
1: So it's just not you don't it's get creeping before not get tight on it, and then it goes. Hitting, no, it, like, no, no,
0: no. You you literally pull the trigger for probably I'd say eighth of an inch.
1: I would almost, I would almost make the argument that that would make you a better shot in long <laughs> in the long term.
0: It's so hard. Instead of
1: punching the trigger, you're really not going to have that. You're fighting the
0: the urge with that to punch the trigger.
1: Well, you're you're also. If you're not sure when it's going to go off, which you're kind of not supposed to be, when you're supposed to be applying an even pressure, right? right. That, the opposite of punching a trigger would be a nice, smooth right. pull, and the su- shot should surprise you theoretically, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what people yeah. talk about. Yeah. If that one's probably surprising you,
0: <laughs> it's uh well, sometimes well a lot of problems is that sometimes it gets hung up right before it goes off, and you can literally feel the trigger get lighter, and then it's just a, another mental mind game that you have to play with because you're okay got to keep squeezing now you're like it's like being on the edge of a hinge it it presents all a ton of challenges of trying to execute a shot long story short but used it the whole day i had my hinge in my pocket didn't ever shoot my hinge until the end um at a money dot but uh which i should have just kept the wrist strap on but long story short happy with the way that i shot No, i can't say i'm happy i shot 24 points below my goal which i was wanting to break 400 which is an ambitious goal um, using the 12, 10, 8, 5 point system and uh, there was 40 targets yeah 40 total. 40, 40 targets shot at 376 and so anybody else that shoots the cascadian if you're wanting to you know tell everybody you know you beat me <laughs> if you shot higher than 376 congratulations <laughs> you, you beat the crap out of my score but um, for our group that was um, that was a pretty good score and Anthony even grabbed his target bow for half half the course. His realm X uh, wasn't. I don't know what he, it just wasn't agreeing with him or something. I, uh,
1: I don't know if if he got frustrated and flustered and decided to switch bows <laughs> in the middle of it. I it might was have probably over already. <laughs> but I don't know the, what is the final tally is. You beat second place by sixty plus Six, points. Sixty points. Sixty plus yeah. points. You could have shot the dirt right in front of your
0: feet and you still would have won. <laughs> so that's if it just to get an idea, Garrett. Well, waxed I didn't want to. I didn't want to go over. Well. well I guess since you brought up, I didn't want to like, oh, yeah, I did this and I did that, but I I didn't shoot what I wanted myself to shoot, but I shot good enough to win in our group of six yeah. people. Well, I don't know. You can
1: get a pretty good idea of what an average score is between the type of shooter and the amount yeah. we had a group of six and, and, and all different levels. And uh, I probably practiced the least. Maybe uh, was it Mike that said he hadn't touched his bow since. Mike season? and Jeremy
0: don't shoot that much. Okay. Well,
1: um, I'm I'm at the lower end, and I maybe I beat two of them. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. It probably yeah. landed right where experience and most recent shooting. You yeah. Know, uh, you know. Anthony recent and practice. Tied.
0: Yeah, that's at three sixteen. Mike a three oh nine. Aside
1: from Anthony scoring where he did, I think that was. And Shelby practices a lot more too. Maybe I, what I'm saying is completely wrong, but it almost <laughs> seemed like a, a perfect representation of how much a person shoots, where they scored. But I think Shelby shoots a lot more than me. I probably should not have beat her. I think she was having is- other issues today. Had she not blanked a couple targets, she probably yeah she probably would have beat she, me. She
0: absolutely she she missed. Uh, she's never she was frustrated. She didn't even. want to talk about it but i feel bad for her because she's way better of a shot than what she did today she
1: she normally stomps a mud hole right in my ass like i said
0: first 10 targets i think she had the lead like she was shooting really good and uh jill can shoot she can shoot yeah she can shoot a bow and so yeah i mean but i'm I'm comparing to my you know my score to guys that aren't shooting so it's not like oh wow yeah you know it's it's no i'm practicing against guys that are out of the game that aren't that don't Give a shit, right? <laughs> you know, right? So I, I don't know what the average score was, but I know what I shot, and I know what the max score was, and I know if I would have competed, I would have got my ass kicked. So you know, a, a 420 would have been a good score if you're competing for that and wanted to be in like the top six. 420 probably would have done it. Yeah. So I was, I was 40 points behind that. You're 50 points behind that. About so you know, not nothing, not really happy with it, but it is what it is. But I, I can honestly say that you know I wanted to shoot and and, and show that the budget bow could beat people and, and compete I would have beat myself if I used my arcs one I would have beat myself I, I never really shot that bow very good so um, you know th- there's that and, and I'm and I'm under my budget bow for freaking I don't know how I've already said this on the podcast a few times but I was in that budget bow like 22 2400 bucks. I'm into this bow, $452.
1: I think that talking about different bows and stuff, I don't know if you can put, an, you can put a label on a bow as the end-all, be-all, greatest thing out there. I think <laughs> it as different as people shoot. I right. think that one person can grab a Hoyt and the other person can grab a Matthews that's right. three years older, and uh, they can shoot them equally good and tie in scores. It just kind of depends on a lot of things. Find a bow that fits you. You know, If you're one of those people that's cranking your... <laughs> You know, pulling your shot, twisting your wrist, or whatever, and you have a mm-hmm. bowtech blow up on you. Maybe it's not because <laughs> the bow has shallow cams. Yeah, something something shallow funky. cam grooves. But people talk about that, but for
0: some people, it's fine because they don't have that air
1: and form or whatever. I don't know. It's it's probably person by person.
0: It's it's got to be by the shooter. You know, I mean, I Anthony shoots or shot bows that I would I wouldn't shoot. He shot. I've shot bows. That I guarantee you that he wouldn't shoot. You know, it's just. It's just all user preference, man. I yeah. mean, and that's that's why you had everybody out there using different bows. You had Dan who was using the new uh, tri- or uh, verdicts. Yeah, yeah, Matthews, and uh, he was shooting good. He started off strong shooting yeah. with us, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just everybody different strokes for different folks. But um, so overall, I guess I'm happy with how I shot. Um, but never, never complacent. I guess is what the best way to put it. We're never as good as we want to be. Maybe if you're Levi Morgan.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'm as good as I w- wanted to be today. I was better probably. That's the, you know, standards you maybe shouldn't. If you're not a full-time shooter, casual shooter, maybe you should keep yourself to a pretty low standard and you might surprise <laughs> yourself. But right. just liking it. It, has, it's, it's, it has more to do with liking shooting, how much you're going to shoot and how good you're going to get depending on how much you like it. And I like 3D shoots a lot. I, I could do that every day. I, on, I really could. I could do it if i had just a couple hours to go do a half a course i yeah and it was close enough I, yeah i'd go do it because it's a totally different thing than going to the range for me just being out there wearing a pack and carrying your bow around and uh, mm. multiple different shot situations and the different looks to them it it's good practice and it's it's challenging and competitive and fun there's it's, nothing there's nothing better than that
0: that's so after today after shooting and stuff usually i find things i need to work on what were some things that you you know that were exposed and your setup or your gear and stuff some of the arrows i was sh- i was shooting
1: today were pretty old i mean some of them maybe go back to two three one seasons one of them you ago. had to junk
0: it was cracked
1: yeah i found that out at the at the yeah. range pre-shoot and uh it shot it was my best flying arrow i was trying to determine which <laughs> arrow i was going to stick with most yeah. of the day and it flew the best 65 yards i was maybe yeah. three inches off bullseye the and, old
0: two vayner yeah
1: and uh the the one that was cracked uh I spotted it and threw it right away immediately, and uh, didn't want that thing blowing up on me and going through my, no, my thumb or something
0: like that. So, so I need to build you some new arrows. I,
1: I I was on the fence about buying a brand new half dozen yesterday, and I I, I was worried I wouldn't get to shoot them beforehand, mm-hmm. so I uh, I stuck with what I had, and what I'd been shooting, hmm. and uh, kind of regretting not having a brand new at least a brand-new couple arrows today. But I found a two-fletcher that <laughs> I was hanging on to that just happened to fly real true, real nice. and That was the arrow I used for more than half the course when I finally fought with three of them that would do different weird shit. They'd go flying <laughs> left, right. up. I kept shooting low with one of them. I was like, what's going on here? What is going on? I almost moved
0: my sight, but then I tried to look.
1: That's right. arrow. This is
0: your first shoot with the uh, Fast 80 XL three pin. That's right. What would you think after finally shooting a, a dial? I'm not. If I can
1: remember to change the range, <laughs> and that never gets me, I'm never going back. Really? No way. No way. It's it's just too nice. It's too nice not to have to split and stack pins. It's just it. It's it, almost not even fair. No. It, it's just being able to remember to do that with an elk bearing down on you. It's yeah. It worries me a little bit, but I think these three D shoots help with that. All the shot process preparation you get, and there are times today that I was doing things in an order, and I would set my range after knocking an arrow, and then one time i get ready to shoot, and I (laughs) I, I knock. I'm getting ready to take a picture of you. I set my range before knocking an arrow, and I grab it with my (laughs) release, and I'm getting ready to draw back, (laughs) and then I'm like, oh, (laughs) I don't have an arrow (laughs) knocked. Okay, so maybe... pay attention to both things instead of just like going you know step by step because i was ready to you know after setting my sight i was not i was grabbing my d loop with my release every time and then one of those times the arrow wasn't there and i would never probably draw it back without an arrow i would catch that because part of that process is making sure the arrows in the rest and it's the forks come up and it's it's there but just stuff like that i i don't want to be panicking for you know in an L cutting situation and forget right. to do something like that. Sometimes I wonder post-shot if I ever lined my housing up with my peep or if I leveled my bow out. I always look at that stuff before I shoot, but then I can't remember if I did it. Hmm. Usually the shot will tell me. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> I mean, the Fast Eddie that you're using is one that's been on my bow for a while. Does it have the third pointer on there? No. Oh, okay, so it doesn't have the third pointer. So the one at home does. Yeah. And um, it's just... You know, for me, it's been it's been a great site. I mean, I'd buy a dozen of those things if I could. I'm actually using the regular Fast Eddie, which I found out is the newer version. So I did get a good deal on it. And um, it just, it's nice not having to deal with all the third, third axis and, and not having to adjust it or anything. Because I was kind of worried because I hadn't tested my third axis with this site yet. And uh, too much. And um, it was all good. It was all in line. The only problem that I found that was exposed on my setup was on the 80-yard downhill. I ranged it for 74. Everybody else's range finders said 74 because the uh, um, adjusted range would have been 74 because it was steep downhill. So it's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So for whatever reason... I felt like I made a great shot and I'm like a foot and a half high or a foot high on a Buffalo. So I'm like barely, I think it was an eight, barely an eight. And, uh, I'm like, okay, something happened there. Could have been me, but I aimed compensated low for how high I hit. And I hit the 12. I'm like, and they're both, both perfectly in line. So there's something going on there that really is, I don't get frustrated, but I get a little annoyed when I when obviously something's going on and I don't know what it is. You're and pointing
1: towards your rangefinder. I'm right? pointing
0: towards my rangefinder. However, everybody else's rangefinder said seventy-four as well. But I also have heard that when you start getting out at, at farther distances with rangefinders, the computing isn't isn't as accurate. So like. Uh, there's that blacktail uh, that I had you I had you help me come get that velvet blacktail at one time. Yeah, yeah. And remember when I was shooting low, I already had an arrow in this blacktail and he's bedded. And I'm just going to put another one in him. Rather than stock up on him to potentially bust him with an arrow already in him, I'm like I'm just going to shoot him from like 90 or or it was like 100 yards or something like that. And yeah, I'm just going to yeah. end it. Well, range it, take my time, have all the time in the world. He's not going anywhere, but he can. You know, he knows I'm there. He's bedded down. He's hurting. And uh, anyways, I put, like, two arrows right next to each other, right below them. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? And then, long story short, turns out that rangefinders aren't always accurate at longer angle adjustments. And I'm thinking maybe the rangefinders we were using today are in that pool, and that it was probably, like, a 70-yard uh, cut. So 80 to 70, you would have cut 10 yards off that, which makes sense.
1: Yeah, uh, for what what it really does at a 40-yard you know, your your rangefinder yeah. compensates a real steep, real steep forty yard shot by about four yards or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like
0: I mean it's good. It's accurate, but I'm finding that the farther I shoot at downhills and uphills, the less accurate it is. So, you know, because I trusted myself on the, on the shot, it felt great when it broke. The pin was everything was great on the shot, and I'm I'm just like, okay, I know that's not where my pin was. I was aligned. Everything was good. Grip was good. And then I proved it by hitting that second shot right in the bullseye. I'm like, okay, there's something going on here. So I might be investing in a new range find- I'm going to be buying a new rangefinder. After that target, I literally, I'm buying a new rangefinder. I mean, immediately after I grab that arrow out of that bullseye, I'm like, okay, this is stupid. Like, if that happened on an elk or a deer or a bear, I'd be so mad, so angry. So, and that's just... You know that's that's probably something I need to do as a shooter is shoot maybe more without a rangefinder up and downhill maybe ju- or just range it and then make the yardage corrections in my head myself. Uh, maybe that's an area that I can you know that I can improve on that I'm exposed and I'm relying too much on my on my rangefinder.
1: That's why three D shoots are so beneficial. They're so valuable because you're not going to do that yeah. at a range where everything's nice and flat. And you know, you're, you're just about walking back and forth, shooting the same 80-yard target all yeah. day. Uh, by the end of the day, you're going to be shooting better than you started, without yeah. a doubt. But then you get out there and you get a steep downhill like that, and something weird happens. It's like, okay, got to figure this out because if, what if that were? I mean, that's a little far for an elk. I'm going to say that. <laughs> but you know, when it matters, when it counts, if that happens, that's a that's not a, that's not a, that's not a good shot. It's not an ethical shot at all. Right. You know, you know that's. Not, you might get lucky and spine shot him but
0: Well I know yeah. Well I know that uh Aaron Sanders done a little bit of research, I believe, in this area with the rangefinders and stuff and is fairly knowledgeable and he's talked about it on his podcast. So I might have to pick his brain on what uh, rangefinder he found was, was angle adjusting it longer, like a hundred yards, um, accurately, because it's it's getting to the point where the capability of the rangefinder is now my weak point in the chain for those those longer um, adjustable shots, and and me as a shooter, you can figure it out without a rangefinder. But I need to learn and get better in that area. So why don't you ask your subscribers? Once you subscribers? open it up,
1: if anybody knows anything, and you probably could Google something like that. Oh yeah, I, I can
0: learn it on my own. But yeah, if anybody has any tips, um, I know I I'd be happy to hear them. I'm always happy to learn. If any of you guys are a little bit more up on your angle adjustments, or your rangefinder is working perfectly on angle adjustments at longer ranges, let me know what model. And uh, I'll start, you know, maybe putting a little list together or a little research together to uh, help pick out what I think would be the best archery rangefinder out there because I'm going to be buying a nice one here soon. Really looking heavy into the SIG kilos, but I'm skeptical of the uh, adjustments on the longer ranges as well because those rangefinders said the exact same thing as my Bushnell did. And uh, I don't think anybody shot accurately on that Buffalo target. Nobody did nope it was missed a couple times I think it was but I I don't blame that on the rangefinder but I, I believe that the guys that made it, executed a good shot shot high um, or unless you know they, they dialed wrong or whatever but and Shelby doesn't even have a 70 pin she was having to use her 60 to shoot that so I think she hit it in the leg I forget where she hit it Anyway, she, she at least at least she hit it but so yeah I mean that's 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 why we shoot these 3D shoots, yeah. man. <laughs>
1: they they're, they were a world of help, you know. And I, going back to equipment, you know, your rangefinder is probably just not going to develop a problem that it didn't have already. It's just going to yeah. be the way it is no matter what. But things change, and uh, there's always flyer arrows, and you're stuck pounding your head trying to figure out what it is. Why did that happen? You know, it could yeah. have been me. could have been your form, whatever, even if it's just, like, putting a little added pressure, like a point system on your, on your shot. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that, you know, gives you something to practice for too. Even, you know, it, going to a three day shoot uh, on the weekend might make you spend Friday at the range and it's like, but double whammy, there you go. There's even yeah. more practice. It's just making that. It also, here's what it doesn't do it doesn't make waiting on elk season any easier. It sure gets you thinking about it nonstop and it makes for <laughs> a pretty long summer and a lot of anticip- pis- anticipation and buildup for for elk season or deer season mm-hmm. or bow season we'll just say bow season but uh for me it's elk and you know are you gonna try and kill a turkey this year uh probably will kill a turkey without trying that hard <laughs> oh yeah you got the ranch out there don't you? <laughs> they're they're
0: everywhere dude it, that's funny. they're like deer I just <laughs> we should actually not just like walk up and shoot one but actually try and call one in and do the whole thing you know you know you <laughs> we don't gotta go crazy and we don't have to go crazy but it'd be cool to like get one to like Almost said bugle, but to gobble and come in after you know. I have the calls. I got the little scratch call, the circular one. That if you, you can have cook. that, that's great. But we're not buying any of that crap. You can I, probably do it with a with an elk read. Yeah,
1: you, you, yeah, you, yeah. But yeah, you I can I got make a pretty the good turkey, turkey sound. call
0: that you scrape with the pen thing, and and uh, <laughs> you sound like an idiot. I know nothing about turkey hunting. <laughs> I don't think you have to. I don't, I don't even know what a big uh, tom looks like. I know the big ones when you see them. You know. I've talked to guys uh, on the East Coast, and apparently turkeys are like elk. Where the jakes are like satellite bulls, the older toms have the, you know their harem or herds or whatever. What are you looking at?
1: If you move your arm, I can see my mirror. Oh, there you go. Thank you.
0: And uh, the, the the similarities between the two with the language and, and the dynamics is really similar to elk. So I think we can learn it fairly easily. Um, however, I, I believe they can see in color, and I believe they have way better eyes. And so... They present, you know, their own challenge there, but it could be that way there. Maybe here they're just not. We don't have that. Type well, they're, of they're just around not here. smart around here. They're like, they're a nuisance animal yeah, around well, here. But um, yeah, those guys over over on the east side take that stuff super seriously. Like they live for turkey hunting. So uh, maybe they would appreciate a turkey hunting video because we have a subspecies just like our Columbia Whitetail Deer. We basically have a Colombian version of a turkey. It's not a full size regular turkey. Our turkeys aren't full size over here. I didn't know if you knew that or not.
1: No, I know that you
0: buy the Thanksgiving turkeys are quite a bit bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, these ones are like a subspecies from what I from what I I understand a subspecies of a full size turkey. Like I don't even know which one, maybe a Miriam, but uh, they're a sub. like our Columbia. They're like a smaller turkey. So there's that too. <laughs> But anything
1: uh, that you can legally shoot at with a bow and, and the, the, you, know, yeah. you can get a tag for and you can go out and, like, put a day in trying to kill one, like, I'm on board with that. That's fun, man. Like, That's it, why it's as fun to me as, it's not as fun as deer hunting, I wouldn't say, but, like,
0: hell yeah, let's go try and kill one of those
1: fucking <laughs> things. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I, we've got the properties we can go do it on. We've got the opportunities. It's just bear season's at that same time, and I don't want to commit time to turkeys when i could be out chasing bears because that's such a high that's actually a priority for me but um you know I, i'm not going to kill a turkey for the content because i need the content or anything but it would be cool to get the experience and and, and, and to try to understand why it's such a big deal for for folks that really get into the turkey hunting it'd be nice to to just get into it and try it you know and expand my horizons for hunting for especially for bow hunting I love things like elk hunting where you can call them in, interact with them, see the way they, you know, and that sounds like turkey hunting. So um, I'm going to give that a go this year. And uh, maybe, hey, maybe you can film me and I can film you and get a couple shots on film. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. That would be fun. That would be fun. It, I've killed a couple. and I mean, you've probably killed a couple with your bow too, right? No. I've never,
1: never killed a turkey. I killed one with my traditional th- last year. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't, you know, it's... They were just there, and I had my trad, it's and like I had a, a sports pack, so I just,
0: <laughs> I said, hey, all right, yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, it's I, like a front yard turkey, basically. Yeah, a basically,
1: it was like, oh, I guess if they're standing there, I'll, and I had my <laughs> compound, too. You killed them
0: with a trad bow? I did.
1: Wow. I, I took my target tip off of it. They stood right there and watched me, thread a broadhead on, <laughs> walked out there, missed, shot, and they moved like 30 yards, maybe. Huh. And I just walked over, picked up my arrow, and tried it again, and I took one's head about clean Man, off. Man, you should
0: took a picture. I don't think I did. I mean, no. it's not like oh wow, look what I did. But with anything's impressive with a trad bow to me. That's the only thing I've ever killed with it. Really? Yep. And I've shot at a lot of rock chucks and <laughs> ground squirrels. I don't think Anthony's killed anything besides a grouse with his trad bow. Well, that's pretty impressive. Not too. even a turkey. Yeah, it was like a freaking thirty yard shot on the grouse too. Yeah. You know, that's the only. One. Well, I did. I recovered one other one with
1: a uh, with my compound. Same place, same situation. Oh, hey, take my target tips off and put a broadhead <laughs> on it. It was the year prior to that, but really, the uh, you know in the past I've shot them, and you know it's weird how hard they are to kill. You know they just don't even stop. You get your arrow back, and it's on the other side of them, complete total pass through, and hmm. full covered in blood, and they're just gone. They're not really that easy to track. You know, fowl doesn't bleed as much as as game
0: does. Right? You know. No, 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 not near as much. It'd be fun to, to try and get a couple buddies into bow hunting like um, RJ like turkeys. Yeah. Nothing serious, nothing to commit, you know, too committal. It's it's easier. It's lighthearted. You know, it's still an animal, still to make an ethical shot and everything, but it just doesn't there's not much skin in the game, you know. It doesn't take a huge investment, it doesn't take a bunch of time uh, at least where we live, yeah, you know? I, know. I know this may sound weird, you know, for you guys over in like Michigan or Pennsylvania where it's like a challenge, but over here, it's just—it's like we say. It's, it's like a front yard turkey. Yeah, yeah. front yard turkey.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I've almost—I have hit one in a loaded log truck. That ha- <laughs> <laughs> happened. It almost came inside the really? cab with me. Yeah, it crushed the window and it was—it totally broke out one of the panes of, of the windshield. Holy and, smokes. Uh, yeah, that was got i got that one i could put that one on the list because I, I was only going about 55 miles an hour 55 in <laughs> a log track yeah and then i've had to avoid near you know near miss hitting turkeys mid-air and some on <laughs> the on the ground and several other occasions it's just they're, it's almost
0: a challenge not to kill them. <laughs> like yeah. Well, if anybody <laughs> wants to come into the best turkey hunting spot in Oregon, come down to Roseburg, Oregon. You know, <laughs> They're I, everywhere. I've heard the Douglas County is like... Just turkey. knock on somebody's door, and if you say, hey, I'm shooting turkeys, not deer or anything, they'll probably let you, <laughs> yeah. let you on. I have them in my
1: front yard in town. Uh, in I, town, really? This morning, This morning, I had the three toms and, oh. like, six hens. Three? Wow. Those it, ones aren't legal, at though. At the end of the driveway, and I... I I didn't think they were gonna get out of the way when I was backing up. It was this morning. I, I could have killed them with a, with a rock. Hmm. I could have got a, probably got them with a kitchen knife. Not, not even exaggerating. They that's weren't crazy. really that worried about me. Hmm. But so that's this kind of thing. You know, how excited is it? How
0: exciting is it to get out there and kill a turkey? That's the thing. Is like I want something hmm. that I have to work for. That's a challenge. And I think if we went after like a ranch turkey, uh, not like a front yard turkey, but a legitimate turkey that may maybe gets pressured, or you know has a real legitimate source of predators around where it has to keep them on edge. Right. That would be a better representation of what we're trying to do. Doing it on public r- land around here. Good luck. That would be, s- I don't even know where you would go for public land turkeys. Most of them are on private. Yeah. For the most part. 90, yeah. I'd say 95% of the turkeys around here are on private yeah, or in town <laughs> or in, or in town <laughs> pooping yeah. on people's plants and gardens it's and trees and cars. Um, Maybe a, maybe a public land turkey would be a challenge. I I mean I've seen some um, when I'm out hunting, but usually it's just like one like Han or Jake and they're hauling butt. Yeah, they don't predominantly they don't hang, hang
1: out in the, yeah yeah like you get up there in public land and in wooded areas and remote stuff. That's where I think the predators are. Yeah, that's where that's why they're down hanging out with us. You know we don't. <laughs> they just yeah they like to raid people's yards and poop on everything and yeah just kind of come and go and they don't. They're not that worried about people, but
0: they don't seem to like being out in the woods. That's for sure. Hmm. So, um. for uh, for more uh, 3D shoots, is there anything coming up that you know of? I grabbed a shoot. card. You car. did grab a shoot card. A didn't couple you? of them. They're in my pack, though, and that's in the back of the truck. Well, uh, so. I did get some messages from guys that were wanting to talk about um, you know 3D shoot scoring because um, some of the listeners haven't shot 3D ever. And uh, I'm probably the wrong guy to talk about this, but the scoring that we were using today was 12, 10, 8, 5, 0. If you missed, and so the usually there's um, a circle and then there's a tiny, sp- smaller circle, usually about the size of a quarter, depending on the anywhere from a t- quarter to a 2 can size. Yeah, depending on the size of the target, that's right. usually your 12. Then there's a circle outside of that one, that's usually a 10. And then there's a cutout of, like, the lungs. A vital like the blinds, area. The yeah. A vital area. That would be an eight. Anything in the body is a five. And then some places, if you hit it in the hoof or the horns, it's a zero. Yeah. What they call They got a word for that or a term for that, right? Yeah, they have a term for it. Like I said, I'm probably the wrong guy. Probably should get Brian Del Calo back on here to talk about scoring systems. But that's the way that we were scoring today. And I like to average a ten, you know, I know that's seceding two points every target, which sucks. You know, if you're really if you're really good, that's horrible, missing the twelve. Uh, but for a guy that wants to shoot accurately and be inside the vitals easily, a ten is usually a a, a really good shot.
1: Yeah, well, part of the problem uh, when it comes to these three D shoots is
0: kind of. Where the vitals are located?
1: <laughs> well, it's the visibility. You know, you can bring a pair of binoculars with you, but there's yeah. not a, a, like a, a little red or orange sticker on the 12 ring right. a, at all. There was one target that was like that, but it was a controversial target, but we won't get into that. <laughs> but the, you kind of have to... Define the lines through an optic of some kind, and then when, you know t- when you take your shot, kind of go off from of memory of what you what you what you could see because a lot of these are black or dark colored. You know some mm-hmm. of them are javelinas and, and bear and whatever, and it's just a literal etched out, notched out circle that you can't see with your naked eye. So you're just kind of going off reference. Sometimes you can see the vial cut out and you kind of know where it's supposed to be. Right. But you don't really have a target. You know you're not aiming at one spot. You're just kind of right where you just looked at it. You know, right?
0: Well, some of these vitals are not anatomically correct. No. Not even close. A lot of these targets are like in the shoulder blade you were hitting a 12. Yeah. Like that wolf, that anthony's like, oh, he was celebrating it. I'm like, dude, you're to the left. <laughs> and then I shot, and he started making fun of me. Walk up there, and I'm in the 12. He's in like an 8. <laughs> so I'm like, and his shot anatomically was way better than mine. But the 12 was in the freaking shoulder blade. Yeah. You know, I, even when I made the shot on my crap, that was probably a little too far in the shoulder blade, but it was right in there, is right on the ring. But you I know, never the, killed the wolf, so it, <laughs> I <don't> yeah, know. <laughs> it, it would have killed the wolf. And and there was actually a couple targets on this shoot, and Cascadian Bowman um, or Poodle Creek, whatever you want to call it, is actually nationally ranked. It's in, I think it's in the top twenty uh, for archery ranges in the, in the nation. They got a good thing going on out there. They do. For, for they sure. got a good thing. Good people running it. Money dot. Um, it's part of the Outlaw you know, for the safari shoot-up. It's a two-day shoot, so I think it's part of the Outlaw archer thing that they got, um, which I I know Carl and, and Brian DeColo, uh are shooting in that thing, But which they're both killing it right now in Outlaw. Shout-out to them. But, uh, yeah, so it's like 40 targets usually as a shoot. And, and uh, yeah, if you can break a 400, I'd say that's really good. Well, out of a possible 460? Yeah, out of a possible 480. Well, f- 480. Yeah. 480. Now I'd say yeah, that's pretty good. That is pretty good. Not good It'd enough e- to win it. 480 if you shoot in a is a 12
1: ring every time, every 40 shots,
0: every one of them. That's that'd be pretty impressive. I don't know that. Well, you got some 12s, you know, that are 40 yards, 30 yards. that are about the size of a quarter. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty darn. That's pretty that'd darn. Exceeds
1: impressive. my uh, my uh, standards for uh, elk hunting. Ready com- completely. That's <laughs> a different thing completely. You know, at least just keep it keep it fun. Make it. Make it fun and it's easy to stay interested in in practicing. And that that it's just something to kill the time until it's time to hunt. And you know, at the end of it, you're a better shot than if you didn't go. Putting a little pressure on, making it a competition. You know, but in 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 shoots past, we've put something on the line like lunch or something like that. Yo, uh, froyo. Yeah, it was always froyo. That was a range. That's thing, what it was. You know, froyo, you know, loser. <laughs> we would come. It would come down to a game of pig <laughs> or horse, or sometimes Longest just long shot or best shot at hundred or whatever. Sometimes just one long shot. And yeah, uh, I've bought a few froyos. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I, I bought but, a few froyos. Yeah, f- yeah a few, <laughs> a few less than me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh. and I'm glad we quit shooting for score when we did because uh, we finished the course and we went and shot like a uh, hundred or no, it was eighty. I was like a basketball-sized group. It was like, what the heck is yeah. going on here? But I picked up my hinge, shot the money dot, didn't hit the money dot, um, and then put my wrist strap back on, and I was all sorts of screwed up. But, um, yeah, I don't know I don't know what was going on with that. I think it's just making that transition, which I can shoot accurately, but something's going on. I'm, I'm doing something as a shooter to make it shoot that bad because I think it was just not shooting my hinge um, as much as I'm used to was probably the problem. Oh, I think. But uh so well let's go ahead and uh wrap this thing up. I had a great time at today's shoot, man, and, and we're gonna have to hit a couple more. I know Hoodoo's coming up, end of May. And uh if you haven't already and you wanna go to that, be sure to register now. Northwest Mountain Challenge. I don't get any money for this. I'm gonna give them a shout out. Northwest Mountain Challenge at Hoodoo. Best shoot I've ever gone to, most fun a shoot I've ever gone to. I remember the first year I went there it was by myself and uh Like I literally go through the lodge at the front doors and then I start hearing this music and I get closer and closer to the back doors. The music's getting louder. And then I open it and there's laughing, there's music, there's booths, there's people everywhere, there's food. It was like a big freaking party going on just behind the back of the lodge. And that's where, that's where everything happens. That's, that's where you get to meet everybody. The born and raised guys, pure elevation guys shooting. The Bull was there last year you had BHA, you had just a bunch of... You had the, the uh, uh, backcountry... Or not backcountry, um, it was the uh, wilderness... What's that What's that uh, pre, pre-made meal I had you eat um, on uh, on our mule deer hunt this year? Pre-made meal? It wasn't like Mountain House or something. No, no, no. It's, it's like a Mountain House, but no. it's not. No, I forget. I forget. Oh, long story short, I'm sorry I'm forgetting his name. Um, and then there's a coffee company there. There's... It's just a. It, dude, it was so cool, and everybody's just hanging out, talking archery, talking bow hunting, drinking beer, having fun. People are off shooting bows up on top. They're throwing these discs up in the air, shooting them with trad bows with flu-flu arrows. There's a 100-yard Sasquatch right next to that. Dude, it's so cool. It's like a party. Yeah. And that was like two days long. This year it starts on a Friday, I think. Yeah, it starts on a Friday. Uh, I'll be setting up there Thursday night. And uh, if you guys can, don't miss that. Even if you're shooting it for just one day, there's a glow stick uh, glow-in-the-dark shoot where they have nocturnals. And uh, it's the, one of the coolest things, seeing hundreds of arrows going back and forth um, across this ridge, like this little goalie. And uh, just seeing, like, hundreds of arrows in the air at the same time uh, when, the, when the shoot starts, I, I can't even describe it. It's so freaking cool. So if you're thinking about going to that just do yourself a favor shoot it come say hi and check out all the booths it's pretty cool and uh that if that's your first 3d shoot um you're going to treat yourself and start yourself off on the right foot i will say the pure elevation course is a butt kicker and uh it's not (laughs) just a pure elevation no you are climbing it is physically demanding bring extra arrows (laughs) Um, yeah I personally have never, I've never shot it, but I've talked to some of my buddies that have because I've been busy in the booth, and uh, even they will come back with one or two less arrows. I mean, oh. it's a it's a butt kicker. Yeah, I, I,
1: hoodoo is probably going to happen for this year. The problem with that is I wanted to go the last two years, and then uh, yeah, it sneaks up on you. I don't know what it is about summertime and just everything getting busy, <laughs> and then uh, oh wait, that's this weekend. Oh yeah. man, but these shoots are. A kick in the ass, 100, percent and the people that you'll run into couldn't be nicer. Cool people.
0: The people that you see on TV, yeah. you know, like the it's born and raised guys. bow hunters. Period.
1: Yeah, people that are out there for
0: an added level of difficulty in and in a like a, a
1: really really honorable uh, sport. I, yeah. I think it's like it takes a lot of it takes a class of person that's not not everybody. It's like when we're out there in in our elk hunting area. And I want to leave the truck unlocked all the time, and you're always like, "What, <laughs> what are you doing?" <laughs> I'm like, "This is bow season in the elk, in the elk woods." Yeah. And anybody out here that's hunting elk aren't that kind of person. You know, it's not <laughs> it's not your uh, your regular Joe in town. You know, this isn't Walmart parking lot. This these people are out here, and they've added a level of difficulty to it, a challenge to to a sport that already is right. I, I think is just super super honorable. It, it, you don't have to worry about these people i mean, there could be your uh your occasional there's always got to be one
0: guy you yeah. know that one
1: i just don't think that the kind of person that's out to get something for nothing is right. out there bow hunting and that's just the way i see it so i have a lot of faith in people that just you know that are interested in <laughs> in pursuing a
0: difficult challenge like putting right. down an elk or even a mule deer but Well, you're also going to have G4 Archery, I think, is going to have a booth, which I'm excited to meet those guys and shoot some of those bows, and maybe I can do some reviews while I'm there. I I should give those guys a call and just see if they want to be on the podcast or something. And then also uh, Chris Dunlap from Elk River, who does all the footers and arrow building and stuff, he's going to have a booth. So I guarantee you him and I are going to get together there and film something or or, or record something and, and, uh, hell, you know, maybe... Maybe somebody that stops by the booth at the right time can get on the show. I don't. I don't know. It'd be cool. It'd be cool to have people actually meet you for the first time. They have met Anthony and Shelby. It shoots. Um, you know, they have people come up up to, up to them at shoots now every once in a while. And then, oh, really? And, um, I, I know Anthony does. Maybe maybe not Shelby, but I know Anthony does. And uh, it'd just be cool to have you know, uh, you know, the listeners, whoever listens or watches the YouTube channel or whatever, be able to meet you know the uh, other part of of our hunting party. So, be pretty cool yeah i'm excited yeah it's gonna be cool man i i am pumped and uh i I know last year we had cold beer on ice for folks that wanted to (laughs) come out and hang out so it's not gonna be a dry booth by any means i know the the shooting the bull guys had way more way more than enough beer for for uh for themselves and they were having a good time so um but yeah i hope they come back because i i don't get to see um those guys near often and and uh they're some of the funniest human beings I've ever met. <laughs> Josh and Ty are awesome. But uh, all right, guys. Well, that's this episode of the podcast. And uh, as always, we'll see you on the next one. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Bye. All right, guys. That's this episode of the podcast. And uh, thanks, Mitch, for coming back on the show. Thanks everybody for listening. And be really, uh, really curious to see to hear what kind of things from shooting 3D this year. If you've shot 3D. That Have you decided that you need to work on, you need to get better, or areas in your setup that were maybe messed up, the tuning was wrong, like a third axis or something like that. And uh, just be really cool to see these things that you guys are fixing before season. And and I say before season, bear season is literally less than a week away. It starts next Monday. And uh, so some guys are going to be out there hitting the woods next Monday in Oregon for bears. Turkey starts, I think, next Monday as well. So season is here for the guys that are spring hunting, and uh, it's definitely nice to get that little extra confidence booster in there before you start hitting the woods. So as always, guys, appreciate everybody listening. If you haven't yet, leave a review on iTunes or, or Podbean or whatever uh, platform you're listening to this on. Uh, be happy to have your review. Reviews definitely do help the show uh, get found. And it makes it more easier to find for for newer listeners and stuff like that and if you have um, you know if you really want to support the show monetarily you can become a patron and what patrons do is basically they just they kind of sponsor the show for lack of better terms they just give the show a small amount of money whether it's a dollar five dollars ten dollars and uh you know if they feel like they're getting enough out of it they want to invest in the show to help the show grow uh that's a great way to do it and it's a uh, patreon.com forward slash on point podcast and i have exclusive giveaways for the patrons and uh just really try and go above and beyond for the folks that really go farther than everybody else that listens to the show and and uh, I appreciate all the listeners, but the ones that are patrons are definitely the ones that are getting more out of the show. They, they get their questions answered on the show. They can steer the conversation. Obviously, the, the giveaways are better. And it uh, just really helps helps the show grow, and I really appreciate everybody's support on there. So, as always, guys, thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Bye.